0: You're listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, www.worklifepsych.com Hello and welcome to episode number 39 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and as always, or nearly always, I'm joined by my co-host Pilar Orti. Hi, Pilar, how are you?
1: I am very well, Richard. How are you? I missed the last episode. And I survived. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Sorry, listeners, I couldn't be with you, but uh, but I think I was a little bit jealous because um, it was very obvious that you and the guest Paul Smith uh, get on very well. So I was like, I hope he's not going to replace me.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think Paul would be up for that. Uh, no, it, it was it was great to chat with him, and um, I really enjoyed that conversation. And we, you know, we've done. Things together, and I'll I'll come back to that a little bit later. But yeah, we have spent a lot of time together, so it's a very natural conversation. So I'm glad that came through.
1: Yeah, and And it was, uh, and it and it resonated. um, I was thinking through stuff uh, because you you were talking a lot about. Well, you were talking about persistence, weren't you? That was the the theme, the P. Mm, mm, (laughs) P. mm. (laughs) And and it's really interesting because I've been working on something, and I'm persisting through it, and it's really. I'm very aware of when I am procrastinating, not to go back to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm writing this piece of fiction and it is, I'm stretching myself. I really am. It's very ambitious what I'm trying to do, but I'm just trying to persist through it and continue. But now other stuff that before was like, okay, now other stuff looks really, really attractive. Uh, (laughs) And I'm coming up with (laughs) lots of other ideas. And there was something that one of you said about how, other stuff starts to look more interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I really, I, yeah, a lot of what you were saying really resonated with me.
0: Well, I mean, that's really good to hear. And, you know, I, I even had this conversation yesterday with a client about persisting through the discomfort of boredom. Yes. Um, when something needs doing, but it's just a really unattractive task for whatever reason, uh, subjectively, it's unattractive. And rationally, you know, it's important. It's part of your job. And it's about working through the fact that you don't like it, but you know it needs to be done. And to avoid that last minute experience and that pressure and that stress or the guilt, it's about identifying the fact, that tingle in your brain that tells you I don't like this and there's a risk that I might put this off. Uh, it's, it's part of the human condition, I think, this tendency to avoid whatever form that discomfort takes. And instead, you, we have to consciously persist. We have to consciously keep going. Um, and that can feel like hard work.
1: Yeah. And and another th- thing that you were talking about, I think it was Paul that mentioned this, is um, the idea of treating that learning as a project and that going through something, uh, persisting through something also as a project, something that you can also learn from, mm. um, if I understood correctly. And And then also, of course, he also talked about the fact that development takes time. And I think this idea of persistence, this idea of long-term focus and pushing through, I think it's really important to remember that some things do take time and that the joy of some things takes time.
0: Exactly. And when we're developing ourselves um, intentionally, so maybe Mm. learning a skill, um, the persistence to get through that stage of feeling not very good. (laughs) And the temptation to give up because we have this sense of mastery in other areas of our life or, or simply just professionally. And now we feel like an amateur or we're not experiencing the progress we thought we might. And now that we think about it, this is all a bit too much. That's the point at which it's really useful to remind ourselves, why am I doing this in the first place? What am I going to get out of this? It, it is worthwhile keeping going yeah. um, and I will get better or it will get easier. Based on all the other skills I've learned, all of the other developments I've experienced, I know I can do this. It, it's just about breaking through that temptation to step away, procrastinate or, or give up completely.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> you just okay. mentioned all my thoughts. So there we go. There we go.
0: But you're keeping going, aren't you?
1: Yes, because I know... Um, I've written a lot of nonfiction over the past years, and I am so comfortable with it now. And But I really want to write fiction, and I have lots of ideas for stories, and I do enjoy it once I sit down. But I really, I it's too, uh, yeah, like I said, it, this project is very difficult. So what you're saying about, yeah, I'm struggling, and therefore I do want to give up. And I just have to remind myself that it, it, this is a learning project anyway for me, that mm-hmm. I need to go through this to learn. I need to go through this because I do want to do it. Um, and, and even if at the end I go, you know what, this was hell, so I'm not doing any more, that's going to be really important to me. So mm. yeah, yeah, really interesting. Yeah.
0: The, the learning that can come from these experiences yes. is really useful. And Uh, sometimes we can neglect that. We can just simply mop our brow and say, I've survived quickly onto the next thing rather than, okay, that was tough. And what have I learned about myself and the way I do things that could help me next time I need to do something the same or just similar? How can I learn from this experience? And it could be, you know, for you, it could be something as simple as, well, the time of day I start writing works really well for me. uh, Or it could be actually if I'm going to, bite off a really big project like this again i need to consider the following factors you know it it could be it could be anything as long as that reflection is there and we can learn from the experience
1: yeah yeah so good
0: (laughs) well i'm glad we had you as a listener
1: yes i'm glad i listened
0: (laughs) before we get into the the main topic of today which is the final of our pillars of productivity um as ever we we're just going to cover off briefly some items of news so in productivity news it's a plug <laughs> it's a plug for the pillars of productivity at training and as i've mentioned previously you know this training um is available as a, a one-day workshop it's a real deep dive, getting stuck into all of these principles and making them work for each individual in the room. Um, It's also available as a series of two-hour sessions if one day away from the workplace can be tough. And it's also going to be offered as self-directed learning, which you could do remotely from from anywhere. Um, And it has all of the same contents and the same resources, but with added flexibility of not having to travel and to, to work at your own pace. Now, all of the information about why this course exists, how it's different to other training you might have uh, uh, encountered before, and what those different training methods look like is available on our new Pillars of Productivity page. And that's live. Well, that will be live <laughs> when you're listening to this podcast. I'm, I'm going against my uh, preferences and doing a very, very, very detailed proofing of it. Um, but that can be found at worklifesyke.com forward slash Pillars of productivity. And of course I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, so that's that's the main piece of news when it comes to productivity. It's something we've been working towards for a while. These principles we've been talking about on the podcast. And there's also a free downloadable summary of these principles um, on that page. So if you didn't want to go on the training, but you think the principles are useful for you, um, you can download a, a sort of a couple of pages worth of reminders of what each of them means.
1: I think that will be really useful listeners if you've been following this series because there's so much and it'd be nice to see them all following each other and to make the links between each other also.
0: Absolutely. Even if you haven't heard all of the podcast episodes where we've been talking about it, there's enough, you know, there's a couple of paragraphs around each one where you can think, right, what does this mean for me? What could I do differently? in well-being news we just a few days ago had our most recent personal development at work meetup in london and that's another uh, enterprise i do with with paul smith so we're building up our contact hours there and um, that was all about building resilience and i have to say that was our most successful meetup yet both in terms of the number of people who turned up we have a lovely new venue in, in central London that we're going to be running the meetup out of. And we had a, a lot of interaction such that towards the end, Paul and I were wondering, how are we going to finish this off? We've still got some stuff to cover and the conversations have been brilliant, which I think is a great sign. Um, the, the, the sort of back and forward and the discussions among the group. So for me, I think for both of us, it was a really enjoyable session. And I think people found it practical. They left with some pointers they could take away to contribute to the building, the development, the boosting of their own resilience at work.
1: And what did you take from it, Richard? As in, was there anything that surprised you that came up during it or anything that you thought, yeah, this was pretty much what I thought the the group might come up with?
0: Well, I mean, it's a topic I... I train people in a lot. It's a topic that comes up in coaching. And I suppose that the the one thing that I wasn't surprised to hear um, was we asked people, what do you think resilience is? What does it mean to you? And this notion of, oh, well, it's bouncing back. Mm -hmm. That was the sort of general agreement when it's a lot, there's a lot more to it than that. And we've discussed it previously on on this podcast, but we, we don't just bounce back. You know, when we have a a challenge or we encounter adversity, we don't bounce back to where we were because we've had another experience. So we're not the same person. And in fact, hopefully we've got some lessons learned, but at least we have come through that experience and the world around us has changed. So it's always this notion of forward movement and difference. So rather than returning to what we were, it's keeping going along with the learning, along with whatever we've picked up, through this adversity, and of course, it includes both the the psychology of resilience—how we think about challenges, how we think about ourselves—and also the behaviours that can contribute to our own resilience. So, you know, a really simple example would be getting enough sleep. Mm. Um, so our our meetup, dis- you know, discussed all of these, but also what people thought resilience would help them with what they thought they would put into practice. And of course, we always finish up with a bit of action planning so people can take some time to jot a few notes about what they're going to do differently. So our hope is that at the next meetup, we'll be able to discuss with those delegates who come back, well, what did you do? How did it work? You know, a month later, what are you still doing? But... um it was a it was a really enjoyable experience. We've had some good feedback and um we're looking forward to continuing them uh across the year on, on a related note I'm going to be running um the work life psych resilience 101 workshop for a new client in london later this month and um our 101 workshops uh for those of you that haven't heard about them they're they're part of what we call essentials series so across our three broad topics that we work in well being productivity and effectiveness each of those has an essential series of 90 minutes Sessions—they're perfect for sort of lunchtime learning, or uh, really just to minimise the absence from the workplace. And um, it's nice—I'm, you know, just talking about it with with this new client the other day. It was so front of mind for me, having gone through the resilience topic with a group (laughs) of people who might. Some I knew, some I didn't, but also it seems to be really relevant to lots of people at the moment. And, and this this is what this new client said. It's it's a big issue for them and their organizations. So I both want to find out more about that because as we know, resilience can mean very different things to different people, but also to get in front of a new audience and talk about these building blocks of resilience that we can work on to improve our own well-being. In terms of effectiveness news that's ah, kind of another plug um <laughs> it's well, all right
1: it's, it's your podcast it's,
0: it's my podcast it's our podcast but no this this sprung to mind actually i'm not sure that we've we've talked about this in, in any great detail but this coach on campus program that uh, we're running is now up and running in three cities in, in dublin london and, and barcelona concurrently and um, i've been thinking about it a lot um you know this notion that Well, you have these six coaching sessions a day in-house for a a client. They can be used any way the organization wants. Individuals can sign up themselves via an online appointment booking platform. It's a very, very different beast to the other kinds of coaching that we do, which is much more planned, much more stable over the months, you know, one-to-one, where people are effectively dropping in. Um, for some coaching input, advice, support, whatever form that might take. As a professional, I love it. Mm. It keeps me really nimble. (laughs) I have to be quite agile and I have to be able to think on my feet, maybe more so than when when you see the same person multiple times over multiple months. And it's also demonstrated for me how much can be accomplished in just 60 minutes uh, with with an individual. Um, We've spent time in each of these organizations demystifying coaching, uh, running webinars to help people get to grips with how to get the best out of coaching before they turn up. And so you can really hit the ground running with someone once they've had a good think about what they could do with this opportunity to have some coaching. And of course, People take advantage of this in very different ways. So obviously my notes from these coaching sessions across three different cities represent both the commonality of the human experience, but also the very, very different topics that people are bringing to the table that they would like to use coaching support or coaching input for. So I'm not... not sure that it's news as much as something that I'm really enjoying at the moment. But if you'd like to find out more about it, w- we have a page dedicated to it on the website, worklifesyke.com forward slash coach on campus.
1: And I wanted to ask you about that, um, Richard, because you're doing three different cities and you said mm. there's lots of um, difference in what people are asking for coaching for other than any commonalities between the different cities or differences between the, the cities or actually it's just really individual differences.
0: Well, there are lots of, you know, the, the key thing for a coach is to remember you're working with an individual, regardless of the company, regardless of the location, you're working with an individual and to appreciate their unique nature is really important. And yet it's also kind of heartwarming when you realize that people in three quite different countries are coming to the table with the same frustration about their own procrastination, for example, <laughs> yes. with almost exactly the same story, with almost exactly the same emotions, you know, frustration and guilt associated with it, and then getting to grips with it when they realize, yeah, I'm not alone. Um, lots of people do this, and there's something I can do about it to improve my own situation. So similar things come up, but um, the way people speak about them um, can differ a little bit. How much people want to chat, <laughs> uh, either side, um, and potentially timekeeping is <laughs> different right. in in the three the three different uh, locations. But we're all human beings, mm. and of course, I mean, it, maybe it, it's not clear, but all of this is done through English. Um, so again, one of the things when working internationally as a psychologist is to remember that not all metaphors translate. Some concepts, if you're dealing with someone whose first language isn't English, not all of the concepts will be within their uh, terminology, within their vocabulary. And so sensitivity around that is really important. And patience around that is really important. I don't want to add to someone's sense of pressure um, by, you know, how they speak English to me. So no judgment and lots of time to clarify things. So let's move on to um, the final of our pillars of productivity, the final of these productivity principles, which is, again, another one that begins with P, um, which is pragmatism. So this is all about being flexible while being productive. And the reason I've included this as one of the principles here, is that there can be a tendency for people, if they're moving from a very, let's say, a spontaneous approach to work, to something a bit more structured, is that they can become overly structured, overly rigid, and stick to some method that's getting them some some results. But of course, the problem with that can be they're not working in isolation. And so they can end up inflicting their way of working on other people because it's giving them a sense of comfort. And they become less able to deal with the day-to-day changes around them, either the environment changes, um, a key stakeholder changes their mind, or just a a colleague wants to do things a little bit differently. And they fall back on this process they're using rather than raising their eyes up a little bit and thinking, well, what's the bigger picture here? So pragmatism is really helpful flexibility, avoiding getting stuck in process, avoiding Maybe the risk of uh, being um, too focused on perfection and thinking, well, what's good enough so that I can keep going? Um, so, w- w- you know, we want to be uh, structured enough, we want to be flexible enough, we want to know. Well, what have I, is what I've done good enough considering what I I wanted, uh, wanted to do, what I wanted to achieve? And am I being flexible enough given who I have to work with, given the environment I work in? You know, I spent yesterday working in an environment that's so fluid and client centric. People don't know what they're going to be doing from minute to minute and they have to develop the skill to drop what they're doing and jump on um, a major client emergency, some some kind of breaking news issue. And of course, other environments, it's it's not like that at all. And you might know for weeks at a time the kinds of tasks that you're going to be working on. So again, with all of these principles, it's about making them work contextually, making them work where you work and considering who you are as an individual.
1: And I suppose this is a little bit different to well, it's not di- in my mind. It's a little bit different to some of the other principles that are so much about awareness of what we are doing. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I see this then as starting to raise our awareness of what is around us, and then to th- th- then be able to connect that.
0: Absolutely, you know, not we're not working in a bubble, and things will change. You know, I think acknowledgement that if you have the best plan in the world, it it won't survive (laughs) very, very far, considering um, the pace with which many people work at the moment. And of course, it is about acknowledging other people and being able to respond appropriately to change. So we've talked previously, in terms of psychological flexibility, of the process of acceptance. um, Accepting that we'll have discomfort along the way. Um, This is an element of pragmatism, because it's not oh, oh, okay, everything's changed. I'm fine with that. It's all these things have changed despite my best efforts. I'm really quite annoyed about that. But here's what I can do that's helpful and useful and proactive rather than I'm really annoyed and frustrated. And so I'm going to act out and uh, everyone's going to know how annoyed and frustrated I am that my plan has changed.
1: Mm-hmm. And I suppose when you start to understand your own process and how you uh, start to apply the principles and then you almost need to, well, like you're saying, you need to go back and say, okay, is this working now? This was working really mm. well then mm. and now it's not. Okay.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, little examples I've come across when working with individuals would be, you know, the the, the coaches where they're focused on um, increasing let's say developing a sustainable way of working yeah. one that is minimal amounts of procrastination it gives them clarity of priorities and all the the, the stuff we've been talking about all that good stuff they, they realize pretty quickly that they probably need to implement those things differently depending on whom they're working with so for some people yeah i'd love them to know and remember and work to the deadlines uh but I'm actually going to have to put something in their calendar to remind them I'm going to have to do that for them in order to get a good result. And for other people, I know that they have a bigger procrastination uh, habit than I do. So the example would be, so I'm going to give them a deadline that's ahead of the real deadline because I know that's what they're like. It, It, should be different it could be different but that's not really helpful so it's adapting to those around you adapting to the changes which are inevitable and accepting and not getting so um, stuck on process or perfection that that gets in the way of the day job Uh, we're not there to you know, have an empty email inbox, we're not there to have perfection in every single thing we do generally, um, but what people do appreciate. And you can see this reflected in organizational um, values. You know, we're there to work well with other people, we're there to reach goals and be successful. Um, We're there to uh, contribute. And it's harder to do that if you see yourself in a bubble that is just informed by your own comfortable process. Um, this, I think, is a really, really important principle to consider, as you say, now that I've been doing this for a little while, what could I change? What could I improve? What do I need to let go of? Because it simply doesn't work in this environment. Yep. It's supported, and I think it's worthwhile making the links, it's supported by the, the other principles. So if you're clear on the principle of purpose, which is, why am I here? This can really help you um, be aware of what's good enough and avoid the perfectionism trap. If you're clear on the principle of priorities, you can then really understand what what matters and um, where you can drop things, where you can invest more, more energy and more time and more attention. And if you've invested in considering the principle of perspectives, you'll then know more about the people you're working with and more about yourself in terms of working style. So you can more easily adapt or meet them halfway or even just have that conversation that raises the fact that your way of doing things is different and it's probably worth discussing how that could be improved. And the reason that this is important for people, as I said, is both at that individual emotional level and and how you express that when things just don't work according to a neat system. And this, I think, is my biggest criticism of productivity methodology because it does come across, even if unintended, it does come across as overly rigid and almost to be used in an ideal situation. And I don't know anyone that works in an ideal, perfect work environment where there are none of these frustrations. So this is the reminder at this stage, at the end of this discussion about productivity of the need to just be pragmatic and flexible as we're trying to be productive.
1: I really like that <laughs> that idea that, of course, we hear all the time and not always striving uh, for perfection and mm-hmm. having purpose at the core of deciding how much perfection we need for everything we do i think i don't know if i'm explaining myself clearly mm-hmm. logically there are some things where it's really important that they are as perfect as we can make it but actually mm-hmm. a lot of them it's okay and we can let go um and also i think that i think you talked about this with uh, paul smith in last uh, in the last episode uh on persistence is that sometimes that um pursuit of perfection is actually Going over to procrastination, it's uh, making yeah. everything so perfect. when <laughs> Actually, what we need to be doing is moving on to something else.
0: So Absolutely. that's a
1: really yeah. good reminder.
0: And, and you know, I'm, I might disagree a little bit with that perfection point, because mm. what we need in the workplace is clarity on what's required. And what's required is a function of the standards of work, the deadlines, the quality, as opposed to just make that Perfect. You know, it needs to be perfect. We hear these phrases, but what does perfect mean? It's just a subjective term. Now, that could be quite different. Um, If you and I were working in an operating theater, (laughs) um, perfection is not helpful there. But what we do have are checklists and standards and health and safety regulations to keep us performing at our best. The same applies in most workplaces. But I think what people... Are missing or forget is we have some agreed standards we're just not focusing on them because we're not being specific enough about what's required so the example there would be can you get this done as soon as possible well Yes, but I've got all these other things. Let's see if we can discuss how this fits into the priorities that I'm working on. And actually, can I have a bit more detail on what you expect from this? Is it a one-page summary? Is it a multiple-page report? Do you want me to, you know, you, you see where I'm going with that? So if we can be specific enough, then we can avoid this perfection trap. Because your perfect could be quite different to my perfect.
1: Yeah, it's the drilling down um, mm. with everything, I suppose, because we, mm. again, uh, going back to right, at the beginning of the the why also of the productivity series is, okay, what do we mean by being productive and why do we want to be more productive? And what mm-hmm. does that mean? And really uh, drilling down, yeah.
0: Yeah, purpose, you know, when we focus on our values and what we're here to do, it can give us an insight into what is really important, what really matters in the workplace. And that can give us a fresh more useful perspective and help us hopefully abandon some unhelpful ways of working or even activities that we just don't need to do anymore and really focus on what's essential and be clear on what those essential outputs need to look like. Yeah. So specificity is really important um, overall. Mm. Uh, but this final, this final one, I, you know, it's it's actually not final when I talk about it in in public. It's not the final one I, I cover off um, in the guide or anything like that. But I thought we would leave this one to last, just to remind listeners, you know, given everything we've discussed, to be pragmatic is probably a helpful approach. Regardless, you know, even if you don't follow these other principles, being pragmatic and flexible in the workplace is is pretty important. So, what I thought we would do to wrap up this episode, um, whether you've listened to them all or not, uh, we thought it might be useful to spend a couple of minutes weaving through these principles and making the links. Uh, we've been through eight of them now. And uh, we've talked about a couple of them so far, but let, let's, let's go right back up to the start when we talked about purpose, the why of productivity. Why is it that you come to work? Why is it that you want to be more productive? What's really important to you? What's your purpose at work? The reason I start with this first is because rather than diving in with little tactical changes, let's start with why I'm here in the first place. And that could highlight uh, what's really important and make that stuff Obvious. That can inform the second of the principles, priorities, uh, which is about investing our limited resources, making good use of our time, our attention or focus and our physical energy and being proactive about that, thinking ahead more than just surviving today or even this week, but thinking longer term because we, those resources are, are limited. And if we just focus on one of them, again, something could happen in the environment to sort of blindside us and, and uh, cause some disruption. So this is really, um, you know, laying down some, some core uh, principles, some core foundations, ha- having clarity on purpose and priorities. And that can inform a lot of everything else. I might argue if that's all you focused on, you could get a great result with that because yeah. you would have clarity. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, what should I? What could I do next? Uh, what's really important here? What should upset me less? What can I just let go of? Um, the next two are presence, which is about um, developing and then directing our focus or our attention. And something we've discussed before is about how the contemporary workplace can. Mm. divide and stretch our attention through the expectation that we can multitask, through the way that we interact with our communications technology, and of course, um, the open plan office, which doesn't suit everybody, as we've said. So presence is practicing how to bring that attention to where it's best needed, uh, where it's going to get us a good result, and to be quite conscious of where our attention is is going and um, corralling it, if you like, so we can get a good result. Focus on one thing at a time rather than, you know, trying to do everything at the same time. And then we've got process, which is, this is quite open-ended when I talk about it and write about it, but, you know, it's really about having a way, uh, a way of working, a system that works for you in your job, in your environment. So what I, what I haven't done is said, this is the system you must follow. These are the apps you must use. These are the ways it must happen. But actually to say, it is useful. We do know it's useful to have a central repository of, these are the tasks and projects that I'm working on. Um, it's useful to have some kind of system that allows you to prioritize, uh, it facilitates delegation to to other people. It allows you to talk with more detail about your workload and it helps us avoid that. Well, I'm busy or I'm too busy. Instead, you can say, look, let me show you all of the things that represent my priorities at the moment. And then we've got persistence, um, which we talked about last time, keeping going when we encounter obstacles or setbacks, uh, keeping going in the face of the temptation to procrastinate. So these challenges, of course, can be external or internal. And then what we've just spoken about, pragmatism, the helpful flexibility that helps us avoid um, working against others, being overly rigid, being overly upset at change. And then finally, we've got perspectives, thinking about yourself and others, thinking about how you like to work and what you might need to change about that, your, your preferences, your personality, how you interact with other people, and of course, all of that for other people. And on the episode where we discussed this with, with Justin McNamara, you know, we had some really simple and practical points for how you can learn more about yourself and more about other people, but it could boil down to having a conversation. What about that? Talking about how you like to work and how you might make some changes. And the final one in the list in front of me is play. And it, it is super important. This is everything that we do, to take useful breaks from work, whether it be a brief break away from our desk or our workspace through to what we do to recover and reconnect with our non-work life, whatever that looks like. And I argue that that is so important our non-work life is so important for our work life because it allows us to recover it allows us to be a self that's maybe not at work pursue and apply values or engage in activities that are definitely non-work so that we can return to work and be refreshed and be our best selves this is an area i think that also gets neglected where people overemphasize process and it links really clearly with purpose what am i here to do full stop with my life? If I'm not doing it, if I'm not meeting uh, the requirements I have in each of the roles I have in my life, what changes could I make so that I can better enjoy and engage with my non-work life? So when I come back, I'm feeling good about life and myself and I can dive in rather than I live to work, I sleep, I come back in. (laughs) And that kind of, um, I'm thinking of a hamster wheel, (laughs) yes. Um, So a, a very, very quick run through the eight principles they're available from for download from the uh, pillars of productivity page on the website. But Pilar, after a very quick run through, what what does that prompt? Any any thoughts or questions from your side?
1: I love that as a journey, um, okay. as a as a starting point to start. It I think it really leads you through, okay, the ver- the more abstract and long-term and visionary um, uh, aspects down to the, okay, now I'm going to get into more detail. I'm going to really go inward. And then you start to go outward again with all mm-hmm. the uh, perspectives and play and pragmatism. So I really, I see it almost like an hourglass. <laughs> uh, oh, that's figure. nice. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you have to start, and this is what We're missing in a lot of uh, literature and advice around productivity is that, uh, as you were saying, we're usually trying to go straight into process where there's a lot more holistic stuff, thinking stuff, awareness stuff that we need to do before we start to design our process. Because if not, whose process are we designing?
0: Exactly, exactly. And that, that I think reflects, um, something I've discussed with, with some clients. The app trap, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if only I had an app for this. Um, or if only I could buy that app, or that app looks great, that will help me with everything. Well, if you don't know what the everything is, what it's made up of, and why it's important to you, an app's going to do nothing. It's the equivalent of buying a diet book and putting it on the shelf and not reading it and not making any changes. Uh, We need that context, I argue. We need that meaning and higher order discussion before we start making the tactical
1: changes. And in fact, I would go even further with with this kind of with this step, with these steps, with this process that you could you could even apply to almost any kind of change. (laughs) Uh, I'm going a little bit uh, beyond now, but uh, because you you need to, with change, we often also start straight into the process without considering all the stuff that's around us before we start and all the stuff we're going to need to consider once we've gone a little bit further down the journey. So I think this is really, um, it's really useful. Listeners, I hope, uh, I hope this is resonating with you. And we have, Richard, we've been talking about this uh, for three months (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. Or four actually four uh, since episode thirty two, which uh, was released mid January. Uh, so if you've just joined us, you've got so much to catch up on,
0: <laughs> and you know the the bulk of a year left to start experimenting with this stuff. And I suppose a couple of things that are worth adding onto all of this. I, I don't I don't see people. Um, making massive changes every time they listen to one of these episodes. What I would really love to hear from people is what's the nugget, the small thing that we've said that resonates with them and prompts them to pause, have a think, and then maybe make some adjustments to what they do rather than the temptation to reinvent yourself and make huge disruptive changes. And so while I, you know, There's a one-day workshop here. It's very much a case of don't do all of this tomorrow. Make a plan. Make a plan for implementation um, that is spread over a longer term. And, of course, if you can imagine 12 or 14 people in a room looking at these principles, their interpretation of them could be quite different. Their comfort levels or success of applying them could be quite different. So, as with all of these things, there's no one-size-fits-all. This is introducing a concept that needs to be interpreted and applied, not simply a checklist of do this, do this, do this.
1: And I think you're making a very good point that it can be applied also, whether you want to say, okay, right, I want to completely change the way in which I'm working because it's not working for me, or I've got this one thing I want to look at. And of course, it's going to be different how you apply the principles and they match that scale very well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, and it may be that right now I don't need any of this Mm. stuff, but you know what, when when I have... 17 large projects running at the same time, I might need to come back to these principles and look and see if I can learn from any of them. So I hope, now that you've reminded me, we've spent so much time on this, I hope <laughs> listeners have found it interesting, useful, thought-provoking, or maybe you've disagreed with some elements of this fundamentally. Either or, get in touch with us with your questions, your comments, um, your your praise, or your abuse, whichever, whichever you'd like to share. Why are you, you doing can, it, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, because, you know why, um, <laughs> anytime I run a workshop about any topic with any audience, I, I like to hear their what about yes. questions. It's all very well for you there, Richard, standing up there, yes. spouting this, but what about me in my job, in my environment? So so let's test this. Come, come at us with your questions. You can send us quick questions, short, brief questions on Twitter. It's psych is the Twitter handle, or you can send us a big, long message via the contact form on worklifesyke.com slash contact. And uh, we'd really like to hear from you because we have spent a lot of time on this. We've intentionally not spent the month of January going new year, new you. Here are 25 things you could do differently. But we've hoped you've been on this journey with us and thought, hmm, that's interesting. What does that mean for me a little bit along the way? And of course, if this is the first one you're hearing, yep. Pilar's right, you can go back and start again and listen to this journey that we've been on. But again, they're principles that sit separately from each other. So you don't necessarily even have to listen to them in this order. We've covered them in a different order that they appear in the guide that I use in the workshops. So think think flexibly when looking at all of this stuff. The final point is for those listening who would like to learn a little bit more about this and... Are based in or near Dublin, and I know that's a, possibly a strange Venn diagram. But if you are, um, I'm giving a talk at the Psychological Society of Ireland about these pillars of productivity on the 14th of May, and it's an evening event. starts at 6:15. It's in Central Dublin, um, just off Camden Street. If you know Dublin, so it's quite central. And uh, I'll put a link to the registration page because you do need to register with the PSI uh, before attending that event. and on checking yesterday there were still some places available
1: good luck with so, that <laughs>
0: well thank you i mean again another audience to discuss it with to challenge the ideas and to get some what about questions i'm i'm really looking forward to it uh, and of course everyone who attends that event it it is a paid event will get a copy of the full guide that i use as part of the uh, the one day workshop or the the other training the other training methods so pilar we've come to the end of our productivity journey. Uh, We're we're not reinventing ourselves next time we have an episode (laughs) and we'll revert to our business as usual plan. But we may come back to this topic as the questions hopefully roll in from our listeners.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to those, especially the ones of, uh, yeah, but in my work, it's very difficult to X or uh, have you thought of this kind of scenario? Yeah.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So for now, pilar thank you so much for your time again today uh listeners thank you for joining us for the end of our discussion of uh, productivity uh this is the end of episode 39 we're going to have to have a celebration for our 40th episode because (laughs) it's a big number (laughs) (laughs) so everyone we look forward uh, to hearing from you about this and as always thank you for listening Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at Psych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.